right, here we go. Welcome back to Nothing to Say, the Fans Podcast, episode 111. I say welcome back because we took a little break for Thanksgiving. I hope you all enjoyed your your holiday. I hope you ate way too much. And, um, you know, for those of you who are celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah as well. I got reminded of that a little while ago, actually. So, um, Sam, Dom, Thanksgiving is come and gone. Uh, Sam, I'll ask you right now, what is your favorite thing to eat on Thanksgiving? What was your favorite piece of food that you had on Thanksgiving? Um, I think it was the ham that my stepmom made. I think that's the, the go-to uh, meat of choice. Turkey's a little overrated, but my mom, oddly enough, this is the first time she cooked Thanksgiving dinner in eight years, and she actually yeah. knocked it out of the park for going through it. The dark meat that she made from that turkey was actually so good. So I, props to her, props to my stepmom. I don't know how they do that cooking all damn day for that many people, but it is just all props to them. Dom, what about you? What was your favorite thing you had on Thanksgiving? Well, I got some of the, uh, I got some of that Southern cooking. So, you know, I went to, I went down to Mobile and um, that's where my dad's side of the family's from. And dude, I mean, somehow my um it was it was my <laughs> I went to my uh cousin's grandparents house for Thanksgiving and I mean the the food is just unbelievable there for one thing there's like enough to feed like 100 people when they're only hosting 30 but I mean literally only like 30 <laughs> only 30 but they had like multiple types of stuffing multiple types of potatoes multiple types like multiple types of rolls like there were just multiple of everything and I just it was just so overwhelming um being on the college diet you know it's just like that's such a great change of pace and so uh you know really um amongst other reasons why you should love Thanksgiving especially in college I've grown to uh, appreciate Thanksgiving even more yeah yeah I you know Sam I I got to uh I, I gotta agree. I, I if the turkey is not cooked right, then it it really it really puts a damper. It can put a damper on the meal. Um, I uh, I but you mentioned the dark meat. I think that's always been my favorite part of of turkey, truthfully. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite my favorite dish has always been uh, mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. And so for me, that's always been it's always been my favorite thing. Hot take though, like I said earlier in the other shows, gravy. Don't need it anywhere near my mashed potatoes. I'm sorry. You, I don't. But you need I it. I don't. I don't. <laughs> you need it on your dry um, turkey. That's what helps the turkey. See, I always found that having a mashed potato plus a turkey bite together, sort of, that was that was my combo. Um, so, but, you know, we can, we can, <laughs> we can go into hot takes for, uh, for our eating habits later. <laughs> we have way too much stuff to get to and not a lot of time to get to it. So we'll just hop right into the college football rankings because those just dropped, luckily for us, just a couple hours ago. And they come out as Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Alabama number three, and Cincinnati number four. So, Dom, I think I think everything sort of ended up where, with Georgia being one, Alabama being three, Cincinnati being four. I think that's usually what people – I mean – from an outside perspective of somebody who doesn't live in this world, this seems, if I had to guess, this would have been what I would have guessed the rankings would be. Was, is that kind of the feeling? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the um, I think the only real controversy might have been because of the poor showing of Alabama at Auburn this last weekend. Um, did that warn enough for Cincinnati to actually jump Alabama uh, and, and push Alabama back to the four spot? And the answer was no. So they didn't um, they didn't punish Alabama for for a poor loss, really. But I mean, a poor win. Um, but they they definitely didn't award Cincinnati any, any points either. And that's just mainly because um, they struggled at the beginning with Eastern Carolina, but they were able to pull that out as a win as well. So um, do you want me to go ahead and just jump into, I mean, what, what potentially could happen this weekend? Because there is, it's conference championship weekend and there is a ton uh, of scenarios that could really just destroy, absolutely obliterate what uh, the college football landscape looks like coming next week. Yeah. And I, so I, I, before you do that, there was one, I don't know if you were going to, I don't know if you were going to mention this. So if you were, then I apologize. But the one question I wanted to make sure that I, that I got to you about these rankings is the storyline that I've been hearing coming from college football analysts. And that is talking about the possibility of a two loss Alabama team getting into the playoffs. If they have a really really good showing against Georgia there seem to be people who believe that it is possible if certain things shake out do you think that a two loss Alabama could actually get into the playoffs or would or would that just set too many people like up in a blaze personally I don't think that there's there's a chance um but there is a way where so much chaos could happen that honestly that could be something on the table there's never been a two loss team to get into the college football playoff but this honestly could be the year and I'm not saying it could be Alabama I'm saying it could be another team because if you look at I mean the the conference championship games that we have coming up this week Alabama sits at three Georgia's at one if Alabama were to lose to Georgia and somehow every other team lost their respective conference championship potentially Alabama, they could look at Alabama's strength of schedule and say, of all the two lost teams, they have the best strength of schedule and they fought the number one team in the country, the best out of anybody. And they should get the fourth spot because there's just nobody else who's no other two lost team that's deserving of the fourth spot. It would shake up. Notre Dame isn't playing another game. So Notre Dame is hoping for complete chaos. They're sitting at the sixth spot. If, if Oklahoma state could easily lose to Baylor Cincinnati could easily lose to a Houston team who is ranked number 24 right now. And they have not lost a game since week one. They're on an 11 game win streak. So, I mean, there are ways where Alabama loses to Georgia. They're most likely out, but Cincinnati could easily lose. Oklahoma state could easily lose. Michigan more than likely has probably the easiest conference championship game against Iowa. So they'll probably be a lock, but if Alabama beats Georgia, that's that's where the weirdest thing that's where the the biggest chaos could come from because if you put if Georgia loses to Alabama Michigan would jump up to one not Alabama because Michigan well even then I see that that's the that is a huge discussion right there because yes Alabama has a win over the number one team but Alabama also has some of the weaker wins compared to Michigan and so would it be a situation where everybody just moves up a spot or would Alabama jump Michigan to the one spot and Georgia 
falls back to three. They wouldn't put them at four because that would mean Alabama and Georgia would have to rematch each other immediately a month later in a semifinal game. Wouldn't and so, go ahead. Wouldn't, wouldn't the type of win matter, though, in this as well? So, like, if Alabama just beats them on a field goal, even though they beat them, would, wouldn't – or I guess – could the committee look at the way that Michigan beat Ohio – Michigan, like, thoroughly beat Ohio State. Um, like, that was a beatdown. And if Michigan – I mean, if Alabama doesn't do something equal to that, then wouldn't that give Michigan the – wouldn't that give Michigan the ability to go, what do you mean? Like, look what we just did. They barely won. We handily won. No, it – it definitely does. I, I, I think that the uh, the playoff committee is going to have to dive deep into the eye test. And uh, especially um, when it comes to just the, the quality of opponents that they played, how did, how did how different teams fared? Because it has just been so – this has been such a weird year where so many unexpected upsets have happened. And there is easily – I mean, I would be stunned if all of the teams this weekend that were projected to win won. I mean, I don't think we're out of the – it's out of the realm of possibility to say that the the top four that we have right now, well, definitely it's going to change depending on the Alabama-Georgia um, result. But, I mean, we could see a completely different top four by the end of this week where not even a single team is in the right spot and two or more of these teams could be out. Um. I'm so excited. I'm, I am just ecstatic for this weekend, but there are so many, if you guys have more questions, I'd love to go over them, but I mean, there, there's just different scenarios where if, you know, if Cincinnati loses, they're out. That's, that's a guarantee. If they win, they're in, I think it's that simple, but the, the, uh, the interesting thing to watch is do they end up at three or four? If they win, that depends on if that could depend on if Alabama uh, wins or loses. Um, If they do, I think, Georgia, more than likely, Georgia jumps to backs to four, Cincinnati to three as an undefeated team, Alabama at two, and Michigan at one. Rematch Georgia and Alabama together. They would have a semifinal between them, and if both of those teams won, then they would rematch each other in the college football playoff, in the national championship, I should say. Right. Um, one of so one of the things that I wanted to ask you um, uh, about all of this is not necessarily about the teams per se because I think we've established pretty clearly that there's a lot of there's a lot of movement still to be had based on certain scenarios that may or may not play out. Um, one of the so one of the questions that I wanted to ask you actually was a little bit aside from that. It was actually about the coaches that are at some of these big programs who actually have potential to get into the playoffs right now. So we've had two big moves happen recently. We had Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame to go to LSU, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to go to USC. So the question that I wanted to ask you is actually one that I heard on uh, ESPN radio this morning. I I thought it was a great, great topic of conversation was, you know, we see these, players who move so much from the transfer portal and go to all these different programs to have an opportunity to play. But now you have coaches who are leaving literally at the tail end of their season. It's one thing to leave at the beginning of the season, but to leave right in the middle of all of this, the question really that I have for you is, is that okay? Like it should, 
are you okay with this? Like in your opinion, is that, is that healthy for college football? You know, I think the short answer is no. Um, personally, I would be very angry and frustrated if my coach left at the tail end of the season, especially if I'm Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly just left with Notre Dame sitting at six, knowing full well that if chaos happened this weekend, the cabins this weekend, Notre Dame could be in position for the fourth spot. And so they're going to be without their head coach. He's going to be at LSU, which is a team that's nowhere near the playoff right now. And they're going to be, that honestly could be a criteria that goes into determining if Notre Dame gets a spot because one, they've completely underachieved in the playoff in the past. And that's something that they, uh, that the playoff committee takes into consideration. It's, you know, they look at the strength of schedule and they look at how Notre Dame has fared in the past when they play these, when they've played against other opponents of similar quality. And so Notre Dame has completely been embarrassed the last two times that they've been in the playoff. And the other thing to consider is if they go, they're not going to be with their head coach. And so that could put on an even worse uh, performance and they have to consider what teams are the best and most deserving going into the playoffs. So honestly, Brian Kelly might've just put his team down a notch by doing that, leaving at the tail end of a season when you still have at least one game left is ridiculous in my opinion. And um, I, I don't like it. I don't know why other programs can't wait a single month to wait till that coach is done at his respective program in order to start the next job. Lincoln Riley's the same thing. Oklahoma, they're pretty far back. They're not going to get into the playoff. They have two losses, but they're going to play in a bowl game more, more than likely New Year's six. And so they don't have a coach yet. They're going to have an interim for the time being. And Lincoln Riley's going to start, you know, doing what he's doing at USC. I, I guess it's a, it's not as bad, but the premise is still the same because Oklahoma, they're still going to a bowl game. Notre Dame might go to the playoff. So it's just, it's the coaching. I mean, I, I don't like it. Um, now, do I understand why those coaches left? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma was, I, I think it was starting to get stale for Lincoln Riley. And I also think that for what his qualities are, he's an incredible, he's the quarterback whisperer of this generation of college football by far. Yeah. And so he's going to go to a place where the best college football quarterbacks come from, Southern California. And he's probably, I mean, in my opinion, USC is going to be going back to, to being a powerhouse within the next four to five years, um, at least so, ruling the Pac-12. Right. So, Sam, what about you in terms of, like, all of this? Because Dom had mentioned the whole criteria. I mean, he had mentioned earlier Notre Dame doesn't have a game left in terms of strengthening their resume for the playoffs. So it was an interesting point I didn't even think about maybe Brian Kelly leaving access criteria against them. If you're a player on that team, what, what's your, what's your thought process? Yeah. Imagine being a senior on that team where yeah. you just committed to Brian Kelly for four years. And then I just think uh, the way the system is right now, it's really a lose lose for these coaches. I mean, either they wait and say Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly uh, leaves a month after, like after the season, then they're going to be behind on their next job. USC isn't going to be able to get those big commits, and it's going to maybe affect their for that first year for Lincoln Riley at USC, um, just because that they're behind the eight ball. He leaves early just to get a head start for next year. Now his program that he was just at is all up in arms. I mean, it's just a lose lose situation for everyone. Um, I mean, that would be really interesting if we could get 
ears into the committee if Notre Dame was up, say, potentially getting to that fourth spot, and we hear, because really for everything that they've done on the field, they pretty much deserve it if Alabama were to lose, if Cincinnati were to fall out, if Oklahoma State loses. Like, if all those things happen, I think Notre Dame would be a shoe-in to make it just by default. But if they were, if the committee were to sit there and be like, well, I mean, we've put them in in years past and they've really like showed us wrong and they they didn't really help us out in that decision and they don't have their really great coach going in that would be really interesting that would really set a different precedent that the committee really hasn't acknowledged ever which is like off the field factors that go into making this college football playoff and I that's a scary thing to happen if it were I, if I'm a player on Notre Dame right now, I, spe- well, I think it might be a different perspective. Pers- well, no, see, I don't even think I can get myself to do that. If I'm a player on Notre Dame and I, Brian Kelly is, he's like dead to me almost. Not really, but in a sense, it's like, dude, especially if you've been there for three to four years, especially if you've been there to three to four years and you've been with this guy for so long and gone to these bowl games and had the, you know, well, not even the bowl games, but just, you know, the college football playoffs and just going through this day in and day out with that guy. And then for him to up and leave right in the middle of what could potentially be another chance at the college football playoffs, I would be furious, absolutely furious if my coach, because basically what he's doing, he's quitting on his players pretty much. I mean, let's, let's, I, I, I don't feel any other way to, I don't feel like there's another way to put it other than he's quitting on the team. I understand why they left because it's a big deal and another big program. And I'm sure the checks for both of them were miles long. So I get it. And at the end of the day, you have to do what is best for you, your career and hell, even your family. So I understand it. I get from that perspective, but speaking strictly from a player's perspective, that'd be really hard for me to get over. I like, I, I, I could, I could look past it for a little while and go, I see what you're doing. And I, I hope it all works out for you. But in the moment, I'd be furious. I'd be really, really angry about it. And I think obviously, I think once the players, you know, under, you know, really take time to think about it, they'd go, okay, well, obviously, you know, he had all this stuff going for him. It probably was an impossible thing to say no to, but just in the moment, all that would, that would make my skin crawl. I would be so mad. Um, Hey, Dom, Dom, I have a question for you. Um, I was just wondering, could you compare the jobs of the Notre Dame job versus the LSU job? Because we're talking about a guy that's leaving a pretty much top 10 perennial program for the last decade at Notre Dame that Brian Kelly really created and developed and cultivated. Now he's going to LSU who just had, they've been pretty up and down as of late. I know they had that big national championship year, but before that they were struggling and different years, they're just really up and down and they're going, he's going into the SEC, which is major powerhouse compared to his schedule before. Can you just compare like maybe good into the mind of why he kind of made that decision apart from, I think he made, he's making like a hundred million dollars from this contract, something like that. Right. Well, um, 
the biggest difference I think between these two schools is one, both are perennial powerhouses. Like you said, both are so difficult to uh, surpass the expectations that you're given to your coach. But Notre Dame is so incredibly selective with the players that they will let represent their school. Um, their academic standards are ridiculously high. Their recruiting standards are very high. And Brian Kelly's actually done a fantastic job. Notre Dame hasn't pulled in number one, number two, number three recruiting classes like ever, like in the past 10, 15 years. That's just not what they do. But they still are able to compete at a high level um, developing the recruits that they get. And so to me, the biggest difference is recruiting. Uh, but I would say that there is almost an unrealistic expectation in Notre Dame as to what they think their coach is going to accomplish because Notre Dame is the considered like the godfather of college football. Notre Dame is the Mecca, you know, like that's where all the best hall of fame coaches come from and the most famous Heisman trophy winners and, you know, this and that. And LSU, the, the expectations are just as high when you're competing with Alabama every single year, but you have more, attraction and freedom and it's more flashy LSU is more sexy than Notre Dame Notre Dame is seen as this like very you know condensed proper firm like we are of the highest standard holier than thou college football program that doesn't want to join a conference that doesn't you know like there's just all these restrictions and and kind of faux pas that go with with working for Notre Dame LSU is like we're badass we are, we're the LSU Tigers. Like we create, you know, we pre, we create like the bad boys of college football, like, you know, Tyron Matthew and, you know, like Joe Burrow and guys like that. We, we create like superstars. We'll recruit like crazy. You know, we, it's, it's their brand. And um, I think that's the biggest difference between the two. Uh, LSU probably gives Brian Kelly more freedom to be successful. He doesn't have to work to a, to this this higher standard of of um academic and and um honorable excellence i I think lsu is a little more focused on winning at all costs maybe um and that's kind of shown in some of the scandals that lsu has had in the past but there are positives to that in terms of lsu just being able to i mean just field incredibly talented teams Uh, um Notre Dame doesn't have that same prowess when it comes to recruiting. And that's probably the biggest issue between the two schools. Um, so Dom, one of the, uh, I, I hate to cut you short because I feel like, I feel like we're going to have to dedicate a whole episode to college football. Um, like at the beginning of the playoffs, truthfully, because I feel like there's so many things that we're going to have to talk about once the final rankings get announced and all the scenarios that went into place. So once that happens, we'll have to dedicate a really, really long segment to that. But we're kind of cutting up against it. There is one the one other thing that I wanted to let you do because I feel like I feel like we have to. It's sort of our thank you as uh, for coming on. Is I want to give you the floor to at least talk for a minute or two about being at the Iron Bowl and watching Alabama win that game and what you told us was now your favorite football memory. So I want to give you the floor. Uh, to be able to, to talk about that for, for at least a minute or two. Well, I, I, will, I will respect y'all's time and, and make it quick. Um, just know that it was – it's the reason I love college football, and it's not just because Alabama won, but it's just because it's just never over. Like, there are just certain 
it's football in general, really. But I mean, the I thought the game was over. I really did. I thought going into the fourth quarter, we were screwed. I thought our, our season's about to end. We're going to go to, we're going to lose to Auburn for the third straight time at their own stadium. We're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. That's going to be that. They're going to get the last laugh. Just the way the season was going. And the, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, we, we, a, with a minute left. I mean, I thought that our last drive was with two minutes left. I thought that was it. And when they stopped us on fourth down, I was like, we're screwed. But we ended up getting another defensive stop, used our timeouts effectively, got the ball back, and the, the game-tying touchdown catch to send it to overtime was caught by a freshman wide receiver who had three catches on the year. Three. That is why I love college football because it's just – I mean, if there's, a, if there's a touchdown difference or even two with a couple minutes left, anything could happen. It really could. And, um, and at that point, all the momentum in the stadium was gone. I mean, you could feel it. As soon as we scored, it was like we're tied. The game is now 0-0 once again heading into overtime. Alabama – all the problems we were having had to do with us just getting to pass midfield offensively. And now we're in overtime. We don't have to worry about that. We get the ball to 25. We can completely flip our playbook. And at that point it was, it was game on. And, and I, I, I can't tell you just the excitement I felt and the, the just intensity of going through those overtimes. And first overtime we score first Auburn gets a one handed catch by a no-name wide receiver in the back of the end zone in double coverage to send it to double overtime. And then there were just, I mean, so many just crazy things that happened. And finally, the we, we went on the last play of the fourth overtime on the two-point conversion, which is the new rule in college football that after the second overtime, we start doing two-point conversions. And, I mean, our it was just such a simple play. Our star wide receiver, John Mechie, faked a slant route, ran an out route, caught it, ran into the corner of the end zone, and that was that. And it was just like, I mean, that was not only one of the – I just – I feel privileged. I feel privileged that I was able to experience one of the best Iron Bowls of all time, but probably a college football classic that's going to be referred to for um, years and years to come. Well, I'm sure that being there was – like, it's one thing because I think sometimes being at a game – at least going to a lot of Raider games, sometimes there's just things that you miss, you know, being there, you're, you're so far away. And sometimes it's hard to really see everything and then be there. But yeah, the one thing you can't take away is the, the excitement and the crowd being there with you. And when something fun happens, turning around and looking at everybody and going, Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. So I imagine that even though there were probably a few things as you being, you know, a broadcaster, that little nuances that you may have missed. I don't think I, for like for me in that situation, I don't think I would have traded it to, for being there. Like just with everybody, I'm sure that was, that was a blast to celebrate with all the Alabama fans and kind of look at every, everybody, all the Auburn fans and go, gotcha. <laughs> so there, there was no, the last thing I'll say is there was no animosity towards Auburn because realistically they probably should have won that game. Um, they were, they played better than Alabama for 59 minutes and 30 seconds. So it's just, I mean, no, no, no animosity. They've said a lot of bad things about us. I probably said a lot of bad things about them after the game. We got the bragging rights. That's all there is. We'll meet you next year in Bryant Denny stadium and hopefully we'll get another win. So, um, 
that's all it is. Alabama beats Auburn. We win the Iron Bowl this year. Bragging rights for the state. Roll damn tide. Right. Well, maybe we should end it on roll damn tide. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, again, thanks as always for coming on uh, with us. And once, yeah, we really should. We really should. Once the final rankings get announced and we have uh, we have a clear cut idea of what's going on, we need to dedicate a a much bigger portion or help maybe even the entire show to college football and just, and really talk about what, what we may see. Um, so we'll have you, we'll have you ready for that. We're looking forward to it at praying for chaos, really. Right. That's what we all want. That's what we want. All right, man. Well, thanks again for coming on and I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see you probably in a couple weeks. Thanks guys. Appreciate it as always. Y'all have a good night. Thanks. Sal. See you now. Man, I, you know, it's it's so fun watching a really like hardcore fan like talk about their team, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, someone that felt it. I mean, he was he was there. That was the game of games this year. But we're we're big. I, I'm an Alabama fan this weekend. Just this weekend, though. Just this weekend. <laughs> I'm still an Oregon. Fan. I mean, they got to give they got to get at least some revenge against what Utah did. I'm so glad Tom didn't mention that. <laughs> from what Utah did, but it'd just be so cool if Alabama won and it just screwed up the whole college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, for somebody like myself who doesn't have a horse in the race, I think I agree with you in that sense. Just to see a whole bunch of whole bunch of shakeup, really, um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think and that then, would be a lot of fun. And then it shows that every single team is beatable. I don't think we've ever had that. That's true. That's true. In. Yeah. That is true. Where honestly, and well, the one thing that I would like to for sure see happen, regardless of anything, is to have Cincinnati get in. I think that would be really cool. That'd be a really cool story. I think a lot of people think they just. I think a lot of people believe that they deserve to get in. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope they get in, and where they end up is going to be really interesting. Where everybody ends up is going to be really interesting, and I, I know we'll have Dom locked and loaded and ready to go once that actually happens yeah we're just Um, along for the ride like everyone else honestly honestly so um all right you ready to uh you ready to talk some nfl football dude i'm always ready to talk nfl football all right let's talk some nfl football you know i know i'm telling you the niners are the hottest team in the nfl right now and they might be (laughs) they might be it's the patriots but still yeah but I can feed your ego a little bit with that, right? <laughs> um, all right. So I know the games are a little bit uh, – well, they're a week old by the time that this uh, this episode gets released. But there were games being played on Thanksgiving. We had the Bears-Lions game, which I don't think anybody watched. <laughs> uh, I, watched I watched that entire game. You watched the entire game. Wow. I think I watched the last, like, ten minutes of that game. Andy Dalton put it on a little clinic. Were you pulling for the Lions as hard as I was? I was like screaming, hoping that the Lions were going to win the game. Heck no! I picked no. The, I picked the Bears. Okay, well, I like I said, I didn't watch the entire game because I didn't think it was going to be a lot of fun. Once I realized it was close at the at the very end, I was rooting for the Lions. I wanted them to win, and man, I just did not have them win. That really does stink. This this game lost all like intrigue whatsoever. Justin Fields was out. DeAndre Swift, who's like the only bright spot for Detroit, got knocked out in the second quarter. Yeah, and like Goff wasn't even supposed to play. Oh yeah, he looked awful too. Yeah, well, 
Um, but we can we can move on from that game. I just bottom line: Bears win sixteen to fourteen. The Raiders in what was the most watched NFL regular season game since nineteen ninety. Yeah. Why? I didn't. I didn't even watch this game. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, and uh, oh, they beat the Cowboys, and it was awesome. I tell you, I went over to my girlfriend's house, and they do that. Thanksgiving is like their Christmas on their side of the family, so Thanksgiving is a huge holiday, right? So, I was initially going to watch the game with my dad, and then come over for Thanksgiving, which it's a good thing I didn't because it went into overtime, so I would have missed everything. Um, I'm sitting there, and I, I'm, I'm watching this game, and I'm telling them before the game, I was like, the Raiders are going to lose this game by two touchdowns. I think they're going to get absolutely curb-stomped by the Cowboys. Then it comes out that CD is not playing, which was a big, big thing for the Cowboys. So they're missing both their wide receivers. Zeke isn't very helpful. I know Dallas was banged up, but we lost Waller, so I, I don't want to hear it. Um, we go into that game, and I call my dad at halftime, and I'm like, dude, they're close. <laughs> and, uh, the, like, we're, we're halfway done. And he was like, you know the problem is? At the beginning of this game, I wasn't nervous because I didn't think they had a chance. He's like, now they're messing around, and they're winning, and now I'm nervous. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, dude, same. So I went from watching the game at the kitchen counter with everybody sort of talking to I slowly moved my way over to the couch and I'm sitting there and my, her side of the family has not seen me during Raider games. And I'm sitting there and I'm being as quiet as I can, sort of celebrating, like, yay, trying not to act all crazy. Game goes to overtime. Dinner is served during overtime and i'm like oh my god <laughs> so they leave the game on and i'm sitting there i'm watching the final the final like plays <laughs> so as, as the game is going on trying not to lose my mind and then eventually they end up winning and i'm sitting there i was like oh and i just i, I started like i was like sitting there like oh my god <laughs> and uh it was it was a great it was a great game that's probably all i'll say about that game uh other than you know that was just that was so fun. That was so fun. The penalties, the referees tried to ruin that game. Oh my God. I'm glad. I'm glad at the, at the end of the day that it was even on both sides, 14 penalties on both teams. That was the game. That was the game that had 28. Yeah. Yeah. 14 penalties on both teams. It was ridiculous. And I'll admit it. There were plenty of calls against Dallas that probably shouldn't have been called. Same thing against the Raiders, but like it was ridiculous. Um, and so, yeah, that was just, it was a great game. That's all I'll say about it. It was a week ago. We don't really need to talk about it. Bills, Bill Saints, Bills end up beating the Saints. Saints really had nobody on the field during that game. It was 31 to six. Bengals beat the Steelers 41 to 10. Dolphins run a bit of a win streak, four game win streak. They beat the Panthers 33 to 10. Giants over the Eagles. I did not see that coming. I don't think a lot of people did either, but. Giants beat the Eagles 13 to seven. Patriots are rolling. Titans didn't have, much like the Saints, they didn't have a lot of their players either. They had a, a lot of injuries during that game. Patriots win 36 to 13. Falcons beat the Jaguars 21-14. Buccaneers beat the Colts. And maybe if it wasn't for the Raiders Cowboys game, it was the best game of the entire week. That was a phenomenal game on both sides. And Buccaneers come out on top. The Colts are going to be a scary team for anybody. I think they're going to get into the playoffs. They're going to be a tough team for anybody to go up against. Yeah. The um, the Jets end up beating the Texans. Zach Wilson comes back. 
21 to 14 over the Texans. Broncos really handled the Chargers. Again, another game I did not see coming. They went 28 to 13. Niners beat the Vikings 34 to 26. We'll get to that later. Packers and Aaron Rodgers' broken toe keep rolling over the Rams. I don't know what's going on with the Rams. We'll hit them as well. 36 to 28. Ravens beat the Browns. Moore threw four interceptions. They still won. So what does that say? More about the Ravens or more about the Browns? I don't know. Probably, probably more about the Browns. Yeah. And then Washington beats the Seahawks, which is not what I wanted. I don't want Washington to be coming in confident against the Raiders next week, but they beat the Seahawks 17 to 15. So we let's just jump to because again. A lot of these games feel like they happened a long time ago, and I think it was because of the Thanksgiving one. But we have to talk about your 49ers over the Vikings. You mentioned they might be one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. That was a really good game from the 49ers, like all around. What do you? How do you feel about your boys right now? Man, I'm feeling great. I, they could honestly make the Super Bowl. I think that's not hyperbole at this point. They match up so well. They're peaking at the perfect time, the way they were able to dismantle the Rams. Then they get a huge win against a, I think, a pesky Vikings team. I think that's the accurate description of what that team is. They just play every opponent that they play just extremely hard. And the Niners were able to control it. It, it was a low-pressure uh, game. Their, their offense is clicking so well with this new run, run, run. It had a little more run on top of that offense, and it's just Jimmy with the timely throws. I mean, this, this guy's limit for this this Niner team, and it is completely in their control to make the playoffs, maybe even get the number one wild card spot. Who knows? So the biggest thing that's going to hinder them is injury. Right now, Devo Samuel is out for about a week or two. Um, so Spring, it didn't right? appear, Yeah, so it didn't appear to be too serious, which is good news for them. I'm taking a look at their schedule right now. And realistically, I mean, I think you could easily make an argument that they could win all of their remaining games. Yeah, it um, favors them a little bit. Playing Seattle, Seattle right now is just they're not the Seahawks. But wouldn't um, it just be Seattle to wake up yes. and click mm-hmm. just for this Niner game? Because that right. scares me that Russell Wilson hasn't woken up yet. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um you also the thing that one of the things that is playing against you is four of the last six games are on the road. So if that factors into it at all, um, I don't think so. So you end up you're playing the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Texans. I feel like you should win all of those games. You're right about the Seahawks and Wilson. Yeah, but we'll see. Cincy is. A tough game. They've been up and down. So have you guys, but you're more trending up in uh, as of late. Um, and that's in Cincy. That's going to be a tough game. Yeah. The Titans so. game. You have a game against the Titans. That also is going to depend on health too, because Julio Jones and AJ Brown they were out. Um, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry. I, I had been hearing reports that there was optimism that Derrick Henry could come back early January. Um, I had heard that a few times over the past couple weeks that there was like tentative optimism like it was just kind of like if everything goes perfectly there's a chance it's far from solid 
So I think you can obviously still guarantee him being out. I think they match up well with the Titans. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the Rams again, who you beat every single time you play. <laughs> um, who have been struggling. Like all the teams on their schedule, apart from the Bengals, right yeah. now in their current form are struggling. Yeah. Um, so let's actually touch on one of those struggling teams. You mentioned the Rams. What do we say about the Rams right now? Um, I know we're going to get to them in the power rankings, and I think people are going to be a little surprised at where we have them, maybe where we don't have them. Um, are you just but, them? No. <laughs> not. <laughs> um, but, you like that Spider-Man trailer. You just spoiled everything. This What Spider-Man trailer? <laughs> Well, the new one with the whole punching, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so I, so here's the thing with this game. What, what do you think that this was a, a bigger statement for? Maybe where the Rams aren't or where the Packers are. I think this is more about. I think this is more about the Packers. It just legitimizes them as that top dog in the NFC for me. I mean, they are just doing it with. Whatever personnel shows up, as long as whatever health Aaron Rodgers is in, it's yeah. it's a it's a shame that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be even in the conversation for MVP this year because this is one of the best Green Bay teams from top to bottom. Wait, you don't think he's going to be in the MVP conversation? Um, I don't think the NFL really likes giving back to back winners, and then there's the whole um, he's kind of on a crusade against journalists that have been covering the NFL for a long time so I think there's just going to be it's just gonna be petty at that point like there's going to be a clear bias that he's and I I honestly think the NFL doesn't like giving back-to-back winners yeah so so you're saying that you think that there's enough off the field stuff that it's going to probably prevent him from winning the NFL from winning the MVP but if it wasn't for all that off field stuff then he'd have a real case for it. Well, okay. I don't honestly know his numbers off the top of my head, but I don't think they're crazy. I think they're very Aaron Rodgers in like a normal year. Um, well, a I normal think year, have... a normal year for him is so right now it looks like he has 2,878 yards, 23 touchdowns, four interceptions. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty I think I think if you were to look at his career averages, that's pretty close to what he's averaging. Which is still ridiculous though. Like I think oh, that's the thing. It's a testament to how good he is. Um it's just he would have to break that. Honestly, that I for me, with how wide open it is, I think Jonathan Taylor right now is that high in the MVP conversation with what he's doing. Um yeah. Brady. It's just wide open this year. Yeah, Brady could definitely get in it. Um, but so back to the back to the Rams Green Bay conversation. I think the way that they're able to beat a good Rams team, and this Rams team is still good. They still have talent. Like guys, teams still have to game plan for this Rams team with how much individual talent they have. I kind of just put it on the foot of this team hasn't clicked and. They're getting kind of the worst out of Matthew Stafford right now. And it's just coming right at the same time that they're getting all these new players. Like as soon as Matthew Stafford clicks back into MVP form, we saw in the first seven games, 
then I think yeah. this team is going to be fine. Yeah, because I, I think roster-wise, you'd look at them and you'd go, well, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. You're right. They're just not – they're not meshing right now. And who knows yeah. how long that is actually going to take. Maybe we don't see it this year. Maybe it comes to fruition next year. Um, I mean, they're set up to have a, a window of opportunity here for the next year or three, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have stat, they have Stafford for a while, but the thing is, is you have all this money tied up in these other players. Um, who knows where everybody's going to end up after that and after that. So, and the thing with them is, um, like it's just it's just all feeding off of one unit isn't playing well and it affects like the offense certainly I think isn't playing nearly at the standards they're turning the ball over way wow. too much I mean putting their defense which their defense is supposed to be I th- honestly think this defense is supposed to be the backbone of this team we saw it last year how yeah. they were able to drag Jared Goff into the playoffs it's just putting them in bad positions and I think that is putting a lot of pressure on this defense that's a little underperforming. Now they're struggling against the run. They're struggling getting other teams off the field. So they're losing just the time of possession battle. And it's just, it's just a clear blueprint. I think for the last three weeks has been the same story for this Rams team. Yeah. And so, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think I agree with the point that you were saying about the Packers in terms of, this game really puts a stranglehold on the idea that they're the best team in the NFC. Um, And, you know, for the Cardinals, so the Cardinals, they obviously, they had their buy. So they're a little bit out of, out of memory a little bit, and they haven't had Kyler in a while. Now they've been winning without Kyler. So it's one of those things where the Cardinals are hanging around going, look, we've been winning without our guy. So the Mm -hmm. Cardinals are right there as well. And I think for the longest time, we, um, and, you know, I think everybody else sort of had the Rams is like, you guys should be right here with, with these teams. And the fact yeah. that they're not is, is a little confusing, but maybe, maybe it really is just a team chemistry thing and they need to, maybe they need a year, who knows, to really, maybe they need the rest of the season in the off season to gel before they get to that spot. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be, I'm worried if I was a Rams fan or if I was in that organization because you're going up against the Titans. I know they didn't have Derrick Henry, but that's they were still a good football team at that point. They were the top of the AFC at that point. So losing to them, getting dominated is a little embarrassing, but losing to them is no shame. The Niners have been controlling this series for years now. That's not Matthew Stafford's fault <laughs> at that point. I mean, it's, the Niners just match up well and know how to beat the Rams at this point. And they're kind of proving that they're actually a semi-good team at this point. And then the Packers are the best team in the NFC and maybe the best team in the NFL. So losing a one-possession game to them, I think, is no shame in that. So if you were to tell Rams fans that they were going to go 0-3, I think some of them could be realistic and rationalize it. It's a little shocking the way that they've gone 0-3 and how they've just been brushed aside in some of these games. But yeah. It's still a new week for this Rams team, and they, they get the perfect opponent in Jacksonville just to right the ship. Yeah, to, to bounce back. Sorry, Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. um, so we talked a lot about these about some of these teams. We're going to talk about a little bit more, but we're going to do it in a different way. 
and we're going to do our power rankings list. We're going to move into that. So, because mm-hmm. there's a few teams that we do have to talk about, one of them being the Patriots, which they actually might be the, the hottest team in the NFL right now. Certainly. I think over the last six weeks, the stat was they have the number one offense, the number one defense, and the number two special teams. So, hard to beat that, really. Um, so, we always compare ESPNs to ours, unless they're super similar. That's only happened one time. This one is a little bit different. So, I've got ESPNs right here. Dallas at 10. Cincy at 9. Titans are 8. The Bills are 7. The Chiefs are 6. Patriots are 5. Ravens are 4. Buccaneers are 3. The Cardinals are 2. And the Packers are 1. That is ESPN's power ranking list. It'll be on either side of me one of these days. I don't remember what side it is. Sam? Yeah, so for our list, um, it's pretty similar with, a co- I think, a couple teams are in drastically different positions that I think we're going to really highlight on. Uh, number 10, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Nine, we have Dallas Cowboys. Eight, we have the Buffalo Bills. Seven, we have the Baltimore Ravens, a little low. Six, we have the Tennessee Titans. Five, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Four, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three, we have the New England Patriots. Two, Arizona Cardinals coming off that bye. And number one, I think back-to-back weeks, is our Green Bay Packers. So for me, I think putting the Ravens ahead of the Patriots, I understand that technically they're the number one seed in the AFC right now. I understand that. But if you look, if you're just going off of eye test, you there's no way that you can, I don't think, realistically tell me that the Ravens are better than the Patriots. If if the Patriots and the Ravens were playing on a neutral field, I'm sorry they don't beat the Patriots. Not right now. Not right now. And I don't, I don't think even, it's close. No, I don't either. And I don't even think that that's the Ravens' fault. They are just beat up all they have dealt with so many injuries this year it's mm-hmm. ridiculous it is crazy Lamar in order for the Ravens to win minus this last week because they were playing Cleveland <laughs> and Cleveland is just all over the place right now and I the thing with Baker like I really appreciate his toughness and like really trying to gut it out but man he really like he needs to sit he needs to rest and get healthy um if the coaches have put him out there, then he must be better a better option than their backup. Yeah, well, I don't know. At this point, I don't know. Because um, Case Keenum came in and won them a game when he was playing against um, true. Denver. And I think Keenum, during the year that he was playing really well and he got the Vikings really deep in the playoffs, I think it was in this offense. Um, but that that's besides the point. The Ravens have to be like – perfect for well, them to win a game Lamar has to be perfect Lamar yeah actually that's that's a better way to put it Lamar has to be absolutely perfect for them to win a game the thing with the Patriots I said it a few minutes ago over the past six weeks number one offense number one defense number two special teams their point differential over the past six weeks is like plus 100 and I think it's higher than that as well they have been on a tear on a tear and the best game of the season potentially is happening Monday night with Buffalo and New England. That is going to be the game yeah. to really let everybody know whether or not one, I think a lot of people are now finally starting to buy into the Patriots a little bit more, mm-hmm. but 
I think for the skeptics, if they beat the Bills in Buffalo, that's going to be the tipping point for people. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll get into it when we do picks, but that is a tough game to pick because I think the edge goes to Buffalo because Josh Allen has definitely has the edge over Mac Jones. Mac Jones has played well, but he's not anywhere near Josh Allen's stratosphere at this point in his career. Um, but Bill and the Patriots are able to play Josh Allen and this Bills team so well. Like, they are yeah. able to defend him so well, and they have – more talent on defense this year than they did last year when they played him so well. So I, it's just so tough. Like one, one line I think it is like go with the better quarterback. And then the other is like, well, maybe the Patriots just match up really well against the bills at this point. Yeah. It, that game. I am so looking forward to that game and I'm going to be a drill this weekend. So I'm going to miss a lot of games. I'm so happy that that game is Monday night because I'm yeah. going to be glued to my to my couch watching that game. That is going to be so fun. Minus the Raider game. That's the game this weekend that I think I would be the most interested in. And I feel like a lot of people, like, I know there are some good games this weekend, but, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, and that's that's the biggest game this week, I think, by a mile. Like, by a mile. I think the only one that kind of comes close is maybe maybe the Chiefs Broncos just because of what's going on with what's at um, stake the, the, the yeah what's at stake um, mm. but other than that I mean the Chargers Bengals that's a big game that's, that's a, a big game. AFC that's a big AFC game um, but other than that I, the reason why I looked at the uh, the Broncos Chargers was the same reason that I looked at the Patriots Bills one was because of what what that game will mean for their division but in terms of the conference the chargers Bengals game is a bigger game than um than the broncos chiefs but other than that i mean the patriots bills is going to be the game of the week um so some other stuff um on uh that's it's, uh, at least our list compared to theirs we don't have the rams on our list they're they're not they're not on our top 10 and i think the biggest reason that sam and i talked about was you know what sam had alluded to earlier just so sam had talked about how maybe if you're a fan and you could rationalize some of the losses that the rams have taken but he also mentioned that some of those losses they looked really poor so we sort of went back over their schedule and the teams that they beat have included the bears so they beat the colts which the colts at the beginning of the season are not the colts of right now they played them now and they beat them that would look much better but they still have a win against the colts it was yeah it was still a big win yeah still a big um they beat the buccaneers that was a good win but after those three weeks after those first three weeks all right their wins have come against seattle the giants the lions the texans and that's it and then their losses their losses, they had a 37 to 20 loss against the Cardinals in a game that was the score doesn't really indicate how much how yeah. badly that game was for the, how badly played that game was for the Rams. They got bullied against the Titans. The 49ers bullied them, and then the yeah. Packers just beat them. So after those first three weeks, when they played the big dogs, 
they've gotten like not just beat but really beat Candles. and for us yeah and for us it was just like look we know that they have a top like five roster potentially but right now they are not playing no i mean they haven't warranted i mean you got it some of the teams that were were included i mean you could kind of say that tennessee's in sort of that same realm of they've been scuffling but they beat the rams so you have to give them that dallas i think is sort of in that same realm where they're just not playing well as of late i think they're they've lost three of their last four games but so far the, the two biggest things that those teams can at least fall back on is they've had injuries like tennessee's most important player is gone they just had julio jones aj brown out yeah. Dallas lost Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory. They lost CD Lamb. They, so, but the Rams are healthy. Yeah. And you think about, I didn't penalize Dallas nearly as much for this Raiders loss because it was in over. I mean, this game was close. Yeah. Yeah. With all those things happening, I think they were missing their offensive line coaches. Like they had a huge COVID a, outbreak yeah. prior to this game. Um, yeah. I think there's, it's this. Power rankings is really interesting because we've almost flip-flopped for maybe three weeks ago. We used to have the Bills, Cowboys, and Rams up in that top five, and now they're all sliding towards the bottom. We got some really nice new blood, like the Chiefs are filing in and the Patriots are filing into that top five. This this season has been so chaotic. There's just really nothing that we can expect from this year. That's made it fun, truthfully, right? I mean, as a fan, I mean, each week you kind of sit back and you go like, oh, my God. Like, just this last week, I cannot believe Denver put the beat down on the Chargers that they did. But they schooled them. And, you know, just stuff like that seems to happen at least once a week. So we're talking about, just to put this in perspective, we're talking about a Denver team traded Von Miller, their best player, probably top 10 best player in franchise history, immediately went out and beat Dallas, who only had one loss at that point. That doesn't make any sense. And then they just totally destroyed the Chargers, who, yes, the Chargers have been kind of scuffling, but we presume that they're going to be a playoff team. This is the same team that lost to Case Keenum-led Browns on Thursday night. Right? How does that make any sense? Not only that, but the week before the Chargers game, they gave up a 30-burger to the Eagles. True. And then the Eagles immediately followed that. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. They were riding high on offense. I was like, oh, this is easy. Put the Eagles down. Like, these are – Chargers and Eagles are teams in this in these games that I would have legitimately felt comfortable putting money on. Yes. And then they ended up – I mean, the Eagles just didn't even show up. Oh, in that game against a, a bad, bad Giants game, it's probably Jalen Hurts' worst game. Oh in yeah, his pro football career, probably. But I mean, like looking at the stats, Philly had 332 total yards offense. The Giants only 264. Now they threw for um, more than uh, than the Eagles did, but like rushing yards, the Eagles had 208. The Giants had 70. <laughs> The Eagles averaged more yards per play, had more first downs, had more third down conversions, had more total plays. Well, that's just because the Giants had short field position because the Eagles, I think, gave up five turnovers. Four. That was what I was. That was, oh, was my it last four? point. Yeah, four turnovers, three interceptions, and one fumble. 
I mean, the fact that Baltimore was able to win because Lamar looked awful on, yep. on Sunday night. Another four turnovers. Like, he looked awful. That just says that says more about the Browns in that game than Baltimore <laughs> winning with four interceptions from our decks. I mean, oh. Well, it's funny how similar those stats are for the game because Baltimore had more total yards. They had more rushing yards. They had more first downs. They converted on more third downs. They ran more plays. They actually had the ball. So here's the thing. Having the ball for 37 minutes of the game, that helps. But having four turnovers, I mean, come on. If, you, if you're the Browns and you get the ball four extra times, you have got to win that game. I don't care with, who you're playing. With presumably shorter fields, positions. And then that's crazy that Baltimore still won the time of possession with four turnovers. By a lot. It was 37 minutes to 22. Wow. They, and they just gave them. That's a whole, that's a whole quarter. Just that's gave them that's four the whole possessions. Quarter. Yeah. That is nuts. That says a lot about the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like that Washington game was – Washington-Seattle was one of the ugliest games I've had the privilege of watching because <laughs> I was actually rooting for Seattle and Russell Wilson to do something. Five straight possessions of three and out with a team that has Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, all these pieces, and a healthy Russell Wilson. I mean – Oh my gosh, this NFL season, you just, you literally can't, I would not bet at all in this season. And you go, you said it, it's, it's more enjoyable this way, but as a fan, yeah. But as like a guy, like we're, we have vested interest in our picking, like getting our, our picks right. And it is so, so stressful picking these, these dang games. It's tough. It really is tough. Um, well, actually, that's that's a perfect transition. That is a perfect transition into our picks. Um, mm. And so, so we made the picks off air. So we actually have two weeks worth of stats to add to our uh, add to our totals. Oh, we made sure. our yeah, we made our picks off air. And <laughs> I mean, for those of you who've been watching the show and you make it to the pick section, you know, we most of the time we only have one game maybe three we had seven games that we were different on this week which made the weekend really fun <laughs> just just to go oh my god yes or no like it was it was a lot of fun however for sam it was another loss and now it is eight to four and if i win this upcoming week season's over i wrap it up early well we can still t- make it still tie so from right now, I have to win six before you win two. Yeah, yeah. I think you're kind of in the catbird seat, my friend. Not impossible, but I mean, I mean, Sam said he wouldn't bet on this season, but I might. <laughs> so we're still not. I think uh, so. Our percentage is right there. I think I'm hovering around sixty. You're not that yeah. far ahead. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I am not. Well, because, I mean, think about it. Like, most of the weeks we only have one or three games. So, I mean, yeah. we're only missing each other by, like, one or one game or two. I think, yeah, I think it's only three weeks 
out of this year. So three out of the 12 weeks have been decided by more than one game. Yeah. So our percentage won't be, won't be that different from each other. All righty. Let's move through these ASAP. Here we go. Cowboys saints. I think we both got the Cowboys. Yeah. All right. Colts, Texans. Colts. Yeah. Vikings uh, on the road against the Lions. Poor Lions, but I'm taking Minnesota. Yeah, I'm taking Minnesota as well. I'll take the Dolphins at home against the Giants. Sneaky, sneaky, also hottest team in the NFL. Good for right. Tua, man. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, Dolphin fans put him back under their wings and really just love on this dude because he is balling. Let me see. Oh, yeah. So I got it right here from CBS Sports. Um, so for this month, Tua Tungamailoa completion percentage, 80.5% first in the NFL. Passer rating, 110, fourth in the NFL. Yards per attempt, 8.58, which is second. Win percentage, 100. <laughs> Time for first. 100. <laughs> 100. So he's been playing well. Yeah, really, really good for him. Because, man, with the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick thing going in and out and in and out. Being in Bro, and the like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson thing. That, too. <laughs> this whole year. Yeah, that as well. So, yeah, good for him. Um, Buccaneers playing the Falcons. And the Bucks. Yeah, taking the Bucks. All right, Eagles on the road against the Jets. Go Philly? I – I think that's a comfortable Philly pick, but I don't know after they just lost to the Giants. Yeah. Um, Cardinals on the road against the Dub Bears. I think, isn't Kyler coming back for this game? Uh, I mean, he's been out for a while, so I, I would assume so, right? And I thought they Not were 100% him, to short. I thought they were holding him out after the bye. I think I think Arizona wins anyway because I think Justin Fields is still out too. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So I'll take Cardinals as well. All right. So probably the first, uh, I guess, game that could go either way. Maybe Bengals Chargers. So I'm going to surprise you a little bit here, and I think this is what you wouldn't want to happen. I'm pretty sure. So I'm taking the Chargers as the away team to win. Mm. Um. Is that what we wouldn't want to happen? Uh, yeah, I think. I think. That's tough because there's a whole tiebreaker thing. There's a division, although the Raiders lost to the Bengals. So, so they, um, they actually don't have a tiebreaker against either team. No, they don't. Not at the moment. Um, so the Raiders take the Bengals at home. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just um, just caught a stray. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll take the Bengals at home. Uh, I mean, Chargers, Chargers are – first of all, the Bengals the last two weeks, their offense has looked really good. They put up 32 points and then 41 points. Mm-hmm. Um, Behind Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has been yeah. balling. Yeah, and the, the Chargers – the Chargers recently, I know they had that big game against the Steelers, mm-hmm. um, but they've had some, I mean, I don't know. That loss against Denver was really surprising. I know every team is going to have a bad week, especially this year, but I just, I feel more confident in the Bengals at the moment. Um, take the Rams at home against the Jaguars. Yeah, I'm thinking big. They have to win big. They, I think it's going to be all smiles for the Rams after this game. 
Hopefully. Um, all right, the Raiders are playing Washington. Washington, sneakily, coming off a three-game win streak, mm-hmm. coming to Vegas. But like I said, I always take my boys. So, And I am also taking your boys. I don't know about you, the injury situation that's going on with the Raiders because they did have a lot of pieces missing from that last Waller, game. Waller being out, I don't know if he is totally um, – out for this week. I know that. Uh, let's see. It says Darren Waller uh, Dago from uh, Pro Football Talks says he's week to week with his knee injury. So, I mean, it's who knows whether or not he's going to be there. Or not. He probably tries to go. But this is an interesting game against Washington. Obviously, I mean, I haven't watched Washington all that much. Washington is a team where you're like, you're either going to get the team that goes and handles the Buccaneers. Or you're going to get the team that barely beats the, I mean, barely beats the Falcons maybe and get, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Uh, Washington again, much like the Raiders, I guess, have been very <laughs> up and down. Mm-hmm. So give me the Raiders. Um, Steelers, Ravens, Steelers are at home. Well, I'm taking Baltimore, but I'm not super happy about it. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Me either. Um, all right. Then the next game would be your boys, the 49ers, against Seattle. Niners have to win this game. Please win this game. Please be comfortable. I don't want it to come down to no the field goal. Magic, crazy, yeah. No field goal to win this thing. I Just, just be comfortable. Just be like a 10-point win. That's all I'm asking for. I take the Niners as well. I bet against them last week. Didn't cost me, but I probably won't make that mistake again. Um, all right, Chiefs, Broncos. Mm-hmm. Got the Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs. I, Chiefs are in a nice groove as of lately. We've got a lot of teams yeah. that are that are kind of feeling themselves right now this year, and I think Chiefs are scary when they have confidence. Yeah. All right. So the big game. Big game is Patriots-Bills. Um, and I'll start it by saying I think New England is going to go in and they're going to beat Buffalo. Um, just the way that they've been playing. I mean, they have looked – I mean, we talk about there really isn't any team in the league that looks unbeatable. I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but for the past couple of weeks, they've almost looked unbeatable. I'm not saying that they are because they, you know, they haven't played the Packers or anything like that per se. Um, and Buffalo, Buffalo has struggled a little bit as of, as of recent. And the thing about the Patriots, we always hear it. It's the same old story playing against Bill and the Patriots. They take away what you're best at. And right now the Bills are best at just, chucking the ball around the yard. So I wouldn't be surprised if New England second, if they're in like a dime package and they're just daring him to throw all game, saying, we're going to make you throw into double and triple covers the entire game, run the ball on us. We dare you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Mac Jones, I mean, Mac Jones has been, Oh gosh, here, make your pick. I actually have some stats about Mac Jones that I found really interesting um, the other day, but go ahead and, and make your pick. Well, I can buy us some time here because, again, like we were, I talked about earlier, I'm in two minds here because the smart pick is the Patriots pick. 
I think they match up really well. I've been picking against the Patriots, I think, the last couple weeks, and it's kind of been biting me in the ass. So I really want to pick the Patriots. But for some reason, I'm going to pick Buffalo. I mean, it's not the word. I mean, you're not – I don't think you're going out on a limb. I think it is a limb. I mean, these two, these teams are trending in opposite directions. I think Buffalo is the more established team or what we think should be the more established team but the Patriots have just been cruising as of late but I mean win streaks have to end at some point right yeah um so that stats those stats for Mac Jones I found this really interesting this is from CBS Sports so most games in the NFL with a 65 or higher uh, percent completion percentage this season. Mac Jones leads the NFL with 10. The next closest is Tom Brady with eight. Yeah. Again, most games with a 95 or higher passer rating this season. Mac Jones is tied for the lead with Aaron Rodgers at eight. Most yards per attempt in the NFL this month. Mac Jones at 8.63 for all the people who think he's just checking it down. He's not. Most sure games with not really. <laughs> Everyone, I mean, I mean, think about their offense. I mean, it's there, but he's taking those shots when they're open. I'm not saying yeah. he's a cannon like Aaron Rodgers, but he doesn't have to be. He's super accurate. And then most games with a hundred or higher passer rating among first round quarterbacks from the 2021 draft class, Mac Jones six, everybody zero. Yeah, now some competition there. Yeah, that's not like it was a uh that wasn't going to be some all hailing like whoa kind of thing, but all right. So that means we're at two games. All right. So our last flip. So we ended up we're only at two. So Sam, Sam is going to flip the Washington pick begrudgingly because it's again. I mean, we look at the schedule. Right? I mean, we went through the games. There's not really an obvious place to feel comfortable about switching. That Washington one's the only one that makes. A little bit of sense, and obviously, I'm not going to switch on the Raiders. So, yeah, All right, man. I'm just a I'm just a people pleaser, man. That's why I lost this year. I don't I don't think so. I mean, may, do you want? Since I'm that far ahead, do you want me to flip on one? No, I was just joking. Okay, because I I mean I'll do. It's so hard. Steelers. Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the Jets. No, maybe over the Eagles. No, I'm doing Washington. All right. Give me give me a Heineke and let's get it. Okay. All righty. All right. So um, last segment that we got on this one doesn't have to be too long. We've talked about so much, but it has been a while since we've done this segment. We'll roll the intro for keeping up with the Kings. All right. Sacramento. So right now. We, God, I love that intro. Love that song. Oh, gosh. You know what? It, it took a while to make. I'm happy with the way that it came out. Um, I'm not happy with where the Kings are sitting in the Western Conference right now. They're sitting at 8 and 13. So we, ought, we honestly need to do some NBA talk more on this show, especially now that we're really getting into the meat of the season. But It was really hard to talk about the Kings when they were going one for seven. Yeah. And then last eight. So yeah, that's true. That's hard in us um, if we didn't talk about the Kings during that time. But there is some big news. Yeah, Luke Walton. 
gone. What have we been saying that for? We start, I think we said that maybe the second show we ever did. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've been saying it for a while. And I know a lot of people have been saying it for a while. I mean, it took a long time, but I mean, we're here now. Luke Walton's gone. Kendry's the interim head coach, and we're moving forward. And right now, I mean, they're beating the Lakers. That's great news. Um, What's the score? It is 45 to 38 as of right now. It's going to be funny when people are listening to this on Thursday and they they look back and they're like, oh, the Kings lost by 30. What are they talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, well as of 8 o'clock on Tuesday night, 45 to 38. Kings, Kings are the best team in the league. Absolutely. Although I don't think you could say that against the LeBron-less Lakers. <laughs> but yeah. so what do we say about the Kings right now? Man, so this is the question I had. Um, obviously, this was kind of something we wanted. We never want to see someone lose their job. Like, that's not no. really the outcome. And Luke Walton's going to be fine. He's going to be able to get an assistant coaching gig eventually, okay. maybe get a head coaching gig somewhere, but it's tough with his track record. Um, I think Luke Walton will be fine. The Kings paid him comfortably. So it's not like it's it's he's going to be struggling for cash, but you never want to see that. Not change. You never want to see a guy lose his job, um, which it's sorry. I mean, from all accounts, Luke Walton seemed like he was a really nice dude, like a really solid yeah. human being, right? Um, but well, I just don't think well, there was. Oh, off. yeah, yeah. The NBA buried that, so it it didn't happen. Um, right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just it didn't seem like he was the right fit for this team, and no. the sucky thing is. I don't think he was the only problem for this Kings team. And I don't think firing him is going to make this team suddenly make the playoffs this year, which is kind of a sad thought. Yeah. I think at least I know that this has been a conversation that you and I have had. And what we're looking forward to maybe is that Doug Christie eventually becoming the Kings head coach. I think that's what the organization wants Based on yeah. moving moving him into the position that he's in right now, he seems to be really. I mean, I don't think for the Kings at this point. At this point, if you're the Kings, what do you have to lose at making Doug Christie your coach? Because nothing you've really done outside of Dave Yeager has worked. And, and even you know, it's funny. Luke Walton had a better winning percentage than Dave Yeager did. For the Kings, chin. yeah, oh, that's interesting. So even even then, um, nothing since Rick Allman has worked in Sacramento. If yeah, if Doug Christie or Bobby Jackson doesn't work, the league might as well just move the Kings somewhere else. Because maybe right. Sacramento is just cursed at this point. <laughs> so it's like you'd be bringing in a guy who clearly loves the team has a rich history with the team and is probably going to throw himself into just trying to do everything he can to make this team better. I don't know how good he is with scouting. I don't know how he is with developing players. Who knows? Managing players, managing relationships. Like we have no idea how he commands the locker room. But from everything that we've heard, and everything that we see on the sideline, you had mentioned it to me a little while ago. When there's a timeout, he's up off the bench before any of the players. He's out on the floor talking to everybody. Just 
at least you're getting a guy who seems like he would be 100% willing to do everything for this team to make them better. And I think that is a good starting spot. He could probably learn all of the other stuff, but at least you get somebody who is ready to help the Kings, not just because he's the coach, but because he loves the team. And I think the, the voice that he commands because of the success that he's had in Sacramento, I think that has to make players accountable to when he's speaking to them about turning things around. And I think that's the thing that, the Kings have been lacking for so long is getting these players in gear. I mean, they've acquired talent for many years and it just seems like it just, for some reason, it doesn't click. It, they just, this King, these players on this team just can't get it into that gear night in and night out. And it, it'd be awesome. Who cares if Doug Christie can do X's and O's, make a fantastic play that scores in wide open game winning layup. Who cares about that? I just need him to, motivate these players get the players to buy in yeah and doesn't it feel like with some of the personnel on this team that it would be a team that he would like it, i don't want to say it feels like a doug christie team but when you think of doug christie you think of a really smart and tough and physical basketball player and you've got mm-hmm. people on your team like rashawn holmes who is tough as nails big energy guy tyrus hardest, hardest working guy on the court Oh, yeah, Tyrese, same sort of thing. Never gives up on a play. Terrence Davis, again, tough as nails. Damian Mitchell coming to the team, tough as nails. Great high basketball IQ, absolutely great defender. Alex Lynn, the hammer, just coming in. The Alex, Lynn will, Alex Lynn will fight anybody in the league. He really will. So you have you Harrison have Barnes. Harrison Barnes, yeah. You have people on this team who – really feel like they could mesh well with um with you know Doug Christie as a uh as a player and we're not saying um I think it was the right move to put in a guy that has head coaching experience in Alvin Gentry in the league for an interim basis I'd want to give Doug Christie a full offseason if I was going to elevate him to a head coach I might even want him to be the defensive coordinator or the guy that's sitting next to the head coach next year just so he soaks in the ins and outs of what it means to be a head coach maybe i mean the king's got the king's got time it's not like they're trying to win a championship next year so um but yeah you're you're totally right i mean apart from De'Aaron fox most of the guys on this team are like not the most athletic, not the most uber talented. Like these guys are overachievers, hardworking. Buddy they Heald, hard. Buddy Heald was coming out of the Bahamas, working his butt off to get to the an NBA stage, and he continues to work countlessly on his body, his physique, his game. I mean, the, his game for all for all the um, like criticism we give Buddy Heald. It's not because he doesn't care. Like this dude is trying to get better and cares about the game of basketball. And same with like Tyrese. Tyrese isn't the most athletic, isn't the most skilled at basketball, but he's smart. He plays defense. He plays passing lanes. He's so smart. Yeah. So unselfish, maybe even unselfish to a fault. And I mean, is it a stretch to say he's the smartest? He has the highest basketball IQ on the team. I don't think that's a stretch. Maybe Harris. I'd give it to Harrison just with his ability to Mm -hmm. score 
score Maybe. from nothing. I mean, but it's but it's it's a conversation at least. And we're yeah. talking about a 29 year old guy in Harrison Barnes who's I think in his like eighth year in the league versus in a guy league. that's in his second year in Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Yeah. And then Davion Mitchell, I mean, Doug Christie, if you were to if Doug Christie were to buy 2K, I think his creative player would kind of look like Davion Mitchell. <laughs> Davion Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I mean, that's my only hope. And maybe the Kings can play well along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, and maybe this just is because I guess I think of, I think of the players that I've liked watching and I think of the player that I guess I tried to be when I played, I, I enjoy watching teams that just look like they are playing hard. Like yeah. who just look like they really are literally giving everything that they can on every single play. Cause I mean, I'd be the first to tell you, I mean, I wasn't, I was never the most talented player on any of the teams that um, I played for. Um, but I started everywhere that I went and it, like I said, it wasn't because of my uber amazing talent, but you couldn't accuse me of taking a play off. Um I played as hard as I could. And I think, and I'm not trying to make this, you know, about me. What I'm saying is, is that I think you're kind of making this about you. You're kind of a narcissist. Right. Right. Sure. What (laughs) what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is if, if I'm speaking just solely about um, my fandom, then Mm. I I want to see what the Kings have, um, what they are, what they already have is what I'm trying to say. Like they have these guys who, again, aren't the most talented players in the league, but they have the personality of people who just work really, really hard. And if you match that with a coach who was the embodiment of that, then you might have a match that could work really, really well. Yeah. So. My only hesitancy with um, Doug is definitely the lack of experience. Yeah, Um, that is true. And the NBA that he played in and had great success in I think it's a little different than today's NBA. Like the things that he was allowed to do on defense, even just 15 years ago, 20 years ago, is completely different than what's allowed now. True. True. So, I mean, we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see where the Kings are um, next season. You know, if if Gentry's still there, if they have a new coach, if they bring in Christie, I mean, they have a lot of options right there. But is a player side of the question? I yeah, I think so. I mean play, plans out of the question. Maybe maybe not the play in. I mean, I could see them rallying and, and maybe getting in, but I mean, mm-hmm. right now you have the Trailblazers who are 10 and the Nuggets who are 10. I mean, I don't think realistically the Kings are better than the Blazers or the Nuggets. What teams are in the play? And it's the um seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Kings are sitting right at eleven. So they've beaten the Trailblazers twice this year, believe it or not. Um, Do we think that the Grizzlies are going to stay at eight? Do we think the Timberwolves are going to stay at six? No, I don't think the Timberwolves will stay that high. Um, The Kings are in the middle spot right now of being in front of the Spurs, who only have six wins, but behind the Trailblazers, who have ten. So they're like – 
we're either going to be really bad or kind of in the mix. They, it's gonna it's gonna come down to like this. They need to get back to five hundred somehow before sooner rather than later. I mean, that's easier said than done. I mean, it's probably a little on the nose, but they can't let it get to seven games below five hundred, eight games below five hundred, because then it's like, wow, we are just behind the eight ball all year. They're not going to get a let up because they have two back to back games against the Clippers coming up. Um, well, the Clippers are ass. I mean, they're 11 and 10. Tonight. <laughs> they're better than the Kings. So if the Clippers are ass, then the Kings are worse than that. Well, the King, Kings are bad. <laughs> I think, um, do you think, um, do you think the Kings are going to be a little bit of sellers? I, I think Buddy Heald's going to be gone. Before the I think end they have to year. be. I mean, realistically, I think they have to be. I think there's a lot of players on the team that have who you could justify getting rid of. I I do think, yeah, I do think Buddy might be somebody they look at getting rid of. Um, I could see Harrison Bagley. Harrison getting moved to a contender. I saw some stuff about that actually. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to have to be sellers, unfortunately, but. I'm ready for another rebuild, baby. <laughs> no, let's just let's just trade Fox away. Let's <laughs> just start it over. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, can I just say one thing? What? Steph Curry. I'm gonna say this right now. May, I understand. Look, <laughs> Steph Curry might be. And I know we've watched. I know. I know this is the era of LeBron. I get that. Steph Curry might be the best basketball player I've ever watched in my entire life, at least from an offensive standpoint. Wow. From an offensive standpoint. Wow, he, you went that far. I I am going, I'm going that far. And look, I and I, I want to specify strictly from an offensive standpoint, because I understand that he's had his struggles defensively. And if you're talking about who is the great, who is the greater player, LeBron, yes. I don't think you can dispute that. But if you want to just talk about pure basketball, offensive talent, and just a joy to watch on offense, I don't think I have more fun watching anybody play the offensive side of basketball more than Steph. And in terms of the NBA that I've watched in my lifetime, because obviously we can't really go back. Maybe we were were around Jordan and all them. So Steph is just – he is one of one. And the reason why – and the reason why I'm saying this is I was thinking about it the other day. LeBron does stuff that other people have done. He just does it better. Like, he does it way better. But he his skill set in that sense is similar to other players that have really come before him. He just does it better. Steph does things that nobody has done. I just – I can't – I can't look at him and go, this is what – you know, he looks like this guy or he looks like that guy. He – he doesn't look like anybody else. He's so unique. Right. And I think this season, more than any, I think, pe- like, I'm not going to say people are just learning about Steph Curry because they're not. But I think at the the tail end of last season, he was getting so much love because nobody was there that it's mm-hmm. continued into this season. And how well they're playing this year. Right. And it almost feels like he's better than he was last season, which is ridiculous is. to say. Yeah. So he's, I think for me, from an offensive standpoint, he is the best offensive player I've ever watched. So you can admit it now that he should have won a BP last year? 
I was on his side. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were on the Jokic train. I mean, I I think I went back and forth, but I don't. It wasn't a situation where if Steph would have won, I would have been up in arms about him winning. Jokic had stats that, I mean, dude was unbelievable last year. Um, but it wouldn't have been outrageous to to give Steph the MVP by any means. He's going to win unanimous MVP this year. He should. I, I mean, I know Durant has – I saw something today that Durant is averaging like the same amount of points, but it, mm-hmm. it looks totally different. Dude, the NBA right now is in such a good space. If only LeBron and the Lakers were playing better. That's but Yeah, that's the one thing that the NBA would want. We have a healthy KD and a healthy Steph just – playing probably the best basketball they've ever played. We have new blood in the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat are playing really well. Mm-hmm. Like the NBA is so interesting this year. Giannis looks like he has a bit of a jump shot now. <laughs> like a yeah, tiny Giannis, bit of a jump shot. <laughs> Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, I think they're actually playing. I think they're kind of struggling they're fit, a little right? bit. Um, they're only two games back from the, from the first seed whoever the first seed is. I think it's Miami, right? The Nets. Oh, is it still the Nets? Yeah. Man, oh, the NBA is so good this year. I can't yeah. wait till Christmas Day. Suns, Suns, 17 and three right now? The Suns are just, just I don't even have a word. They're like, they're on a revenge tour right now. It almost feels like it against all the media that have picked every other team but them, mm-hmm. they're proving that they should still be up there in the in the Western Conference Championship. So, yeah. All you right, know well, what? Last thing. Last thing, yeah. okay? Isn't it so awesome? I woke up today, saw the TV playing at work. Tiger Woods addressing That's the media – for the first time since his just awful accident. And it's kind of look, it's looking like he's trying to make a return. Yeah. Yeah. He had mentioned that amputation was on the table at one point, which mm-hmm. is just crazy. Um, so yeah, good. It's the world is the world of golf and the world of sports in general feels better when Tiger's around and he's playing well. Um, you want to talk about a guy who moves the needle more than anybody else. It's Tiger. So they have um, in golf, they've tried to incentivize players to like build their brands in social media. So they've given like a bonus almost to the player that gets like the most interactions in social media. So you see like Bryson made his own YouTube channel. If you, if you haven't looked at it, you should check it out. It's actually like really insightful. You get to, you get to like peel back the curtain on what, on who Bryson DeChambeau is a little bit. Right. Um, but he's he's killing it on YouTube, and he's been super active. And I think he's like the front runner for active players. But I think Tiger is just blowing him away because of the legend, and he hasn't even swung a golf club. Oh yeah. In in a tournament this year, and it's just like it just goes to show, like not even like Phil Mickelson has, can light a candle to what Tiger Woods can do and means to golf. Oh my gosh. And it, when he returns, he's supposed to, I think he's trying to, he's aiming for the masters in this upcoming season. And then the, the open championship is in the home of golf um, 
St. Andrews yeah. this year. So it's going to be nuts. Hopefully you can play well. And a guy that's probably going to have a big year in golf is Brooks Kepka because he looked absolutely <laughs> all business, completely healthy, dismantled Bryson DeChambeau in their one-on-one match. But he looked as good as ever. My guy. That's my dude. That's my dude. And you know what? Proportionally, if golf was as big as the NFL and you had a star proportionally as big as Tiger Woods is in golf in the NFL, he would be the biggest star in like sports history. Maybe like near Michael Jordan-esque level. Yeah. It's just, and Tiger Woods might even be near that right now regardless yeah, he definitely, what he definitely is right so what i'm saying is is that if if golf had the same amount of track as the nfl proportionally if tiger woods was sort of on that level and golf was kind of equal with the nfl he would be the biggest athlete to like ever ever play anything mm. so yeah it's it's crazy so the world of golf and the world of sports is just better with tiger around um yeah i thought i thought it would be nice to get that in there Really quick. Absolutely. I, I know we haven't talked about any tennis. Guys, I don't think we've even talked about tennis at all on the YouTube channel. But we'll we are a tennis show. We are a tennis show. We're <laughs> a tennis show. Um, so we'll we'll get we'll get to it eventually, but we do have to go. It has been an absolutely packed show. There was so much stuff that we talked about. It was a long episode. It was supposed to be because we took a two-week break. There was lots of lots of stuff to talk about. So we're glad to be back. Uh, We hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see you all next week.